It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello, all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to this week's edition, I'm sorry, this week's double eviction edition of Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and even though we saw both David Wright and Kelly Wentworth get booted in a single episode, I still had a great time in Philadelphia along with my co-host, Jessica Lewis, and her husband, Aaron. Yes, it was super fun, even though it was also very sad at the same time. Yes, we did have a great time. Philadelphia is beautiful. I'd never been before. Absolutely gorgeous. Great tour that we went on. Mike was a wonderful tour guide. Everything about it was great, except the result of the votes. (laughs) Very unhappy with that, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we really want to thank everyone who talked to us for all your kind words about us on the podcast. And we promise we won't tell Rob how many of you said it's your favorite and you like it even better with Jessica. David, stop. You're not supposed to say those things. It's okay. We'll make sure Rob only hears the redacted version of this podcast. Listen, I might have to drop a shut up, David, again. No, you don't want to do that. All right. Well, listen, that didn't come from me, everyone. That came from David. So well, we're going to throw him under the bus. It not didn't me. come from me either. I mean. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody tell Rob. OK, but uh, seriously, we did have a lot of fun. And uh, even after Jessica left, I took the Y blank lost analysis to a couple games of Werewolf and Mafia that I played at Amanda Rabinowitz's house on Thursday night. So, uh, you know, it just keeps going. Yeah, you were uh, out much later than I was. I got to give you props, David. I'm impressed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still <laughs> recovering from that. So I think everybody probably is. But yes, I do also want to say thank you to all the patrons for listening, for joining us, for being just so supportive of everything that we all do. It was really incredible. It's always nice to meet you. It's always nice to meet you again because it's fun because they're just as excited when they meet you a second time. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a great time. I think everyone had just a, a great time and it was a great know-it-alls overall. I mean, there were so many survivors there and there were so many people, except it was sad again. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so I, I do want to say there were some things about the season that I kept hearing over and over again from people at the live know-it-alls. And, you know. Some of them related to the outcomes. Some didn't. A lot of people were talking about how they liked the editing for each individual episode story, but there's no real overarching storyline for the season, especially for some players. And, yeah. you know, Rob even said it. No one else. It felt like we missed an episode between the last one and this one. Yeah, I agree. It, it, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rhyme or reason with where people are ending up and how they're getting there. I, it's it's definitely a much different vibe this season than we've seen. 
Yeah, I mean, in this episode, we found out that David was Wardog's nemesis, which you wouldn't know from the rest of the season, though you would have had some indication from earlier web confessionals and Twitter discussions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as he talked about that, I thought about you know, while we were watching how often someone manages to vote out their nemesis just to be then voted out immediately after because they push too hard. And I thought that sort of backlash might happen to Wardog in this episode, but he avoided it while Kelly was the one who took the brunt of it. And, you know, just as she thought through much of the season, the minute you become the last returnee standing, well, you become that much bigger of a target, which we will certainly get to. But Mm -hmm. as, as William McQuaid said at the after party, it makes sense that David and Kelly were voted out in the same episode because their stories really were intertwined throughout the entire season. Yeah, that really was a great point to come up with because it's true. I mean, we saw it right from the beginning that and it's an interesting dynamic because I don't know if either of them really wanted to work together from the start, but they also saw the benefit in having each other around. But it it morphed as the show went on because initially they were targeting each other, but then they weren't. But it's like, it was just an interesting dynamic to see play out throughout the show. And then, yes, it does kind of make sense to have them both voted out in the same episode because they, they really are so intertwined in a very strange way, (laughs) in a very strange way. Yeah. And of course, neither of us nor anybody else that I'm aware of uh, predicted the returning massacre that happened this week. No, Uh, we thought it would be a nice, no, no, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we thought it would be a nice, calm, easy goodbye to a couple of the comma players, but nope. Yeah, no, we were we were all expecting it to be kind of ho hum. Well, here we are, and double whammy, <laughs> double whammy on this one. Yeah, you know, once again this week we're left without web clips with no explanation from CBS or Survivor as to where they are. You know, last week. I mean, CBS and Survivor didn't say anything, but other people were like, well, it all happened in one day. Maybe there wasn't time, which I thought was BS at the time. In this case, this was a double. They they had many, many days of confessionals yeah. that they could have used. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit perturbed about that whole situation. Yeah, you know, sometimes CBS does things with no explanation. And unfortunately, we never get an explanation. So right. we're just going to have to keep guessing and figure it out on our own. Yeah, I mean, that's. Obviously not going to stop us from pulling together all the other information we have, comparing it against the rules that I wrote after Survivor's first season and have been updating ever since, which you can find at robhasawebsite.com slash Survivor38Rules. Or, as we have been mentioning, uh, you can get a shorter but much more colorful version of the rules in another way. Yes, you can. And for those of you who were at the know-it-alls on well, on Wednesday uh, in Philadelphia, you got to see the poster and some of you even bought the poster. So, yes, we have a very colorful version that was put together by Eric Reichenbach and you can order it through eBay and you can go to tinyurl.com slash, slash <laughs> David Rules poster. So that's tinyurl.com slash David Rules poster and you can order it right there it's twenty dollars they're 11 by 17 it's a nice layout of all of the rules with incredible scenes from survivor actually implementing or showing people implementing those rules or carrying out those rules or or in some cases breaking them 
Yeah, it is very true. Yes. <laughs> so it's a it's really more beautiful than I ever thought it was going to be. And Eric did a wonderful job with it. So if you want to order it, please do. And the shipping department, me, will yeah, yeah. you know gladly send it to you. And we have actually managed because a lot of people have asked if we can send them to Canada and also other countries. And I certainly don't mind doing that. And I will get in touch with you directly and we can figure out shipping and, and get that to you. If you're interested, I've sent, I think probably four at this point to Canada. So certainly don't mind doing it. We will make it work for you. Yeah. And we've also had orders from England, Ireland, Singapore, Australia, and more. And so if, if you're outside the U S just let Jessica know. And uh, you know, Twitter's probably the best option. And of course you will work out details with them as best you can. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And it's worked thus far. And it's it's been really a, an incredible experience because we had a lot of support with it. So thank you for everyone who has already purchased one. And I'm glad that you are enjoying the program. And it's nice that we're going to be on your wall now. So that's that's fun. I like that. <laughs> I'm about to uh, hang one up in my own office where only a few people there know anything about this podcast. Uh, so uh, that I'm sure will get many questions. Oh, I'm sure it will, since your name is on it. Yes. <laughs> I'll be like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's, that'll be great. So, but uh, getting to our look at the rules this week, uh, in our cast preview, I said we knew David would scheme and plot, make good use of idols and advantages, and do well in the social game. And Kelly said going in that she always played from the bottom, but wanted to be in control this time around. So, yeah question of course is how did both of them do in terms of their own predictions and game plans and we will see as we figure out why david and kelly lost which is so sad yes yes so you're gonna have to hold back the tears while you do this i know oh it's terrible yeah uh so we are uh once again switching up the order because we switched up the order rules with Joe to start with rule number six, which warns against being too much of a threat. And we would have done it with Aubrey, except she was voted out the same week as Wendy, and it didn't really make sense to do it for half of that equation. And we're we're doing it again here because we can't ignore the fact that all the returnees came in as big threats. As we mentioned when we talked about Aubrey, all four of the returning players came in that way because if they weren't threats, Let's face it, they wouldn't have been brought back. Mm-hmm. They, you, you don't bring non-threats back to a season like this. Maybe to an all-star season, you have some people who you look at and go, eh. And, and you know, usually those are the ones who win. But, uh, but, <laughs> but terrible. Well, that's the way it often happens, you know, and, and we'll see if it continues in the future if any such seasons happen to mm, be on the horizon. Yes, uh, perhaps. But. but you know, in the meantime, for a season like this, where there's only four of them brought back, you know, yeah. all four of those are threats. Yes. And I do think that when we found out that these were the four returning players, we all looked at them as threats, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think it made it a little more fun because it was trying to determine how they were going to maneuver through the game, considering where they're coming from. And so it was it it was an interesting twist to only have four. With all the newbies, because you never know if are they going to have this kind of effect on the newbies because they're all super fans. And are we going to have another, you know, where someone just kind of carries everybody to the end because they're kind of placed on a pedestal? We don't see that happening this season at all. Mm, They certainly did not have that effect on any of the newbies. 
which was incredible to watch because it's it was more interesting, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's just something they had to find a way to try to overcome. And both mm-hmm. David and Kelly managed to do that for a long time through a lot more tribal councils than Aubrey and Joe. But, you know, it, there's no doubt this was one of the factors that eventually caught up with them. Yeah, which is it's also I feel for them as a returning player, you actually get a chance. And not that I have been, but I can only imagine what it would. I'm hoping I can only imagine what it would feel like to have a second chance to get out there and to play again. And I know that in, in Kelly's pregame interviews, she was really hoping that there wasn't going to be any more than just the two returning players. She had seen David. She hadn't seen anyone else. And she was hoping she would be the only returning player on her tribe because she wanted to be the only one. She didn't want there to be somebody else there with her. And unfortunately, you know, that's not what ended up happening for her. But it's it's such a, a difficult dynamic to find yourself in, I would think, when you've got only four returning players because they really have such a light shined on them and people are really paying attention to them because you are the returning players. And we saw in the first episode, Jeff certainly didn't help them all hide at all because (laughs) he made them stand in front of all of the, you know, the newbies and talked about all the wonderful, incredible things they did on their previous seasons. And I think all of them wanted to just kind of crawl under the boat and hide because, yeah, it's Jeff going, look at these incredible, threatening players. Watch out, everybody. Here they come. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that Kelly said that because I feel like if Kelly had come in, if there had just been one and one, both of them would have been gone like right away. Yeah, it was. But that's the thing. It's you have to kind of look at it and say, is it better to to be the only one where you can you can try to lead the charge and lead the tribe? Or is it better to have somebody else that you can almost use as a shield? And there's the two of you working together and not have the sole focus put on you. I mean, we've seen Survivor do this in both in both ways. We've seen them bring back just, you know, two returning players. And have seen the response. And I I don't know if maybe she was hoping for a similar response if she had been the only one. Yeah, well, you need certain new players, too. uh, And and you weren't getting those this time. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, this season is full of like super fans who are incredibly strategic and want to play this game hard. So I think that that put the returning players in a much more difficult situation, unfortunately. Right. You know, so Kelly said in I think it was her the first episode that the other people didn't know each other's games, but they did know her game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she followed that by saying, I'd vote me out. And, you know, David similarly knew he was a huge threat coming in and changed up his game to try to hide that fact, which is something we'll we'll discuss more in at least rule number one. And, and I think a couple other places, too. And, and both of them did manage to reduce the appearance of their threat levels while they were on original Manu and then Lesu. And there were a number of theories to explain why they weren't really targeted. First, they weren't playing together like Aubrey and Joe were, so they Mm. posed less of an obvious threat in that way. Second, they each had a strong lieutenant who helped them out. And third, the original Manu players didn't seem to have the bloodthirsty outlook for returnees that was present at Kama. You know, David himself suggested that the first two were reasons, uh, as he told Josh Wiggler in The Hollywood Reporter about a week ago, that being so closely aligned with a newbie minimized their threat levels as returnees, and thus he and Kelly weren't seen as a tight returnee pair in the way that Joe and Aubrey were on the Kama tribe. Yeah, and I do think that that was a smart gameplay and decision for both of them to make, 
is that they didn't come together and and bond over the fact that they were returning players because if they had then then you're also yourself as a returning player saying hey look at us we're returning players and that's why we should play together it was almost like david and kelly didn't want people to see them as returning players they just wanted to see them as someone on their tribe and then found a person within their tribe to work with so it was it was a smart play because they weren't focusing on it themselves which then caused i think the rest of the tribe to not focus on it as well right right and you know whatever those reasons were however you know they, and they did pretty well at that point it didn't last nearly long enough for them because mm-hmm. by the time we got to this episode we had gavin saying he wanted david out because he's a returnee and a huge strategic threat uh, adding that if they didn't get david out then he'd waltz to the end uh, ron similarly said he didn't trust david because he was sneaky something that he undoubtedly saw before and war dog said david is quote such a squirmer who instills fear and had to go. Uh, Would you describe David as a squirmer? No, he's not a squirmer. (laughs) Here's the thing about David. David has the ability to maneuver, and I wouldn't call it squirming. I would call it maneuvering and figuring out where he needs to go to next. That's going to be to his benefit, but he also has a way of making it seem beneficial for everybody else who's going there with him. So it's it's a great way to work within a within a tribe and with a group of people to get everybody on the same page and feel comfortable with what's happening, but not seem like you are being like slimy or sneaky about it. He's not telling people what to do like War Dog, as much as I appreciate and enjoy War Dog. A lot of what we've heard from people about War Dog is that he's talking at them and kind of telling them what to do. As opposed to when David sits down and has a conversation with somebody, it's more of a conversation and a discussion about what we should do or shouldn't do and what we can do and why we should do certain things and why it would be to their benefit, not to his benefit, but to the other person's benefit. He's very good at putting it on the other person. He is. But if you're on the outside of that, if you're looking in, uh, then that is an incredible threat. Oh, and I'm not saying it it makes him less of a threat. It makes him more of a threat, really, because, yeah, he's a great player. But and that's part of the I think the issue that he ran into with like War Dog and Kelly and Lauren. I mean, we heard that David said in one of his I don't know if it was in the, the Wiggler interview or one of his web confessionals, but that he was never really he never felt like he was in that group. He always felt like he was in the outs with those three and feeling that way caused him concern because he wasn't working with them like he Mm -hmm. wanted to and so i think that if if the approach had been different with war dog and lauren and kelly in relationship to david they might have been more of a force and not just the threesome they could have potentially been five because they could have had devons but for some reason we never got there and they weren't able to jive and i you know and i don't know why that necessarily is we have theories but but it is interesting to see that the, the position that they both took where it was one side was trying and the other side, I don't feel like was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was from the Wiggler interview. And yeah, I, you know, we'll we'll get into that more later. But yes, if you're on opposite sides, then obviously you're seen uh, as, you know, a threat to the other side. Mm-hmm. But even switching to Kelly, you know, War Dog told Ron that they couldn't let a returnee get to the end because, mm-hmm. well, they know how it would end. Uh, for his part, Ron said Kelly was the biggest threat of anyone in the game by that point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was their their question of being a threat to win. If they're sitting there in a final three, that is a very, very, very difficult, almost impossible person to beat. I don't know how someone who's sitting there with two newbies. I mean, it it, it could happen because mm-hmm. they could say, "Listen, I'm sitting here with this person, and I think I played a better game than someone who's already played this game before." But you have to be able to show that. And there's very few people, I think, at this point who are still left that could have made that argument. I think there might be two that could potentially make that argument that they've played a better game than someone who's a returning player. And so as far as anyone who wants to make that final three and anyone who wants to have a chance to win, yes, Kelly and David, huge threats to everyone in that regard. And then also, they're yeah, they are just really good at playing the game. They were doing a phenomenal job getting through the game this far and i think shocked everybody that they made it this far honestly yeah yeah but you know i i guess we really shouldn't speaking of being shocked that they made it this far we shouldn't be surprised that they you know by this point they were getting targeted as threats because yes yeah. you know in our preview podcast i said if david's tribe mates didn't vote him out early he'd get his hooks into people and be there until they remember what a big threat he is oh yeah and you know in this case they managed to figure that out before it was too late for them to stop it mm-hmm. in, in that same podcast, I noted that a couple other players talked about really liking Kelly from her previous seasons. And I suspected she wouldn't be an early target, which could give her time to get in a good position. And she did get to that position. But yes. as I also said, her tribe mates would be crazy to let her get too far in the game. Well, and I think that worked to her benefit a lot because who was her number one out there was Lauren. Mm-hmm. And coming into the game, Lauren was a huge Kelly Wentworth fan. So I think Kelly really lucked out by ending up with Lauren on her tribe because it just made it even easier for them to connect. Right, right. So, all right. Well, um, I think we've uh, we've finished explaining why they were threats. And so uh, (laughs) now we can go ahead uh, back to the first rule, which is, of course, to scheme and plot. And both Dave and Kelly certainly know how to play Survivor, and that means they know how to strategize. David said back in a web confessional for the second episode that a good survivor game is a delicate survivor game. You can't be too pushy. You can't be the leader. You need to do things with your name on them, but there's no need to build a resume early. He said small conversations can have a big impact later in the game. And he got insight into how people are thinking about the future. And, and he locked, locked that away in his brain. He was slowly turning up the game like the temperature in a shower. And he said, you don't want to turn it up too quickly or you'll get burned. Now, does this sound like the same David that you played with? No, it does not, <laughs> which is so incredible to me because, yes, this is everything you just said is not the David I played with. I played with a much different David. Granted, he played a phenomenal game on my season, but he's definitely thought long and hard about things he needed to change about his game, how he needed to approach it this time. And how he needed to do things so much differently than he did before. I mean, the David that came into my season was neurotic and, you know, scared and running around like crazy, openly looking for idols, really kind of it just out there. I mean, right from the beginning, we were all kind of trying to figure out what was going on with David because he seemed kind of like a loose cannon. And obviously, as the game developed and moved forward, he changed that perception of himself. He managed to kind of rein it all in and also made really big moves early on in the game. 
by like saving me with an idol. You know, that's something that that's a big move to do pre-merge. And I'm still so happy that he did it. Thank you, David. <laughs> um, but he did it for his game. That was not that was a game move for his game because he needed me. He He talks about loyalty. And let me tell you, he knows how to make people stay loyal to him. And in that moment, he had me in his back pocket, you know, by playing that idol. So I do think that his gameplay this time was so much different and it was better because it was more at a more calm and kind of collected, even keel, but still very, very much the same David that we did see before with his maneuvering through the game and getting where he needed to go and working with people to get there. So wait, are you saying that David's brand is loyalty? <laughs> I am saying that his brand is loyalty. I, I had not heard that. I know. And you know, people laughed at him when he said that, but he is absolutely, I think, being 100% honest when he says that, because David has said in multiple interviews as well, that what you need in Survivor is that one other person. You mm -hmm. need someone like a Devons. You need someone like a Ken that he had in my season. You can't get to the end of Survivor if nobody is willing to work with you, if no one is willing to play with you. And loyalty becomes key. And when you have a moment where, you know, there's a line in the sand and people are willing to go to rocks just to maintain that loyalty, that's huge. And that's what we had in Millennials versus Gen X. You know, we had two groups and they were so loyal to each other that that was where they were willing to, to they were willing to go to rocks just to maintain that. Because like I said, you're not winning if you lose those people. You need those people. And David recognizes that. And even though I understand Lauren was like, you can't say that because you told me you'd never write my name down. And, but that's a different type of gameplay that he and Lauren were never really close. Like he did say, and we've talked about it. He was on the outs with Lauren and War Dog and Kelly. But if David does have your back, if David is on your side, I guarantee you it's going to be better for your game. Because he's going to he's going to help you because it's going to help him. And we see that with people like Ken and we yeah, and, and Devin's even and with me. So I yes, his brand is loyalty. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah. And we you know, obviously we saw David create that tight alliance with Rick and and also take the position of someone who is willing to go along with others along the way. He brought in Wendy after she was ostracized so mm -hmm. that he could potentially use her as a shield. He understood the game enough to tell Chris that if Chris told War Dog about the anti-Kelly anti plan, the whole thing would fall apart, which was exactly what happened and led mm -hmm. to Chris being voted out instead. You know, David said in his Hollywood Reporter in-game interview last week that, you, well, it, he said the same thing you've already said, that you have to find that one person you can trust and, you know, he, he said that they tried to avoid people realizing how close he and Rick were by strategizing at night. But he also said that was betrayed by how he laughed at everything that came out of Rick's mouth. Yes. And so, you know, but between the two of them, he said that they hid nothing from each other. And the bond was so strong that they remained allies, even through being on different sides of the Eric vote. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's that's when you know that you have someone who is solid with you out there. And that's really what you need. You need to be able to have someone that you can go to with anything and know that they've got your back. David is very good at creating those bonds and finding the right people to do that. I mean, he found Ken right at the start of the game, even though he was spastic and a little bit, um, you know, and and you know, we weren't sure where he was coming from because he was a little, you know, he was 
running around a little bit crazy looking for idols. He still he found some comfort and solace, if you will, in Ken, because Ken was not like that. Ken was very calm in the way that he approached the game. And so he managed to get himself with someone who was a a good balance for him. And I think that Devin's is an even better person for David to play with because Devin's plays at a level of play like David. And so it's it just makes them even stronger as a twosome to get through the game together. So I think he's he has a very good way of finding those people that he knows will benefit his game, but he will also benefit their game. Yeah. Now, his relationship with Wardog, on the other hand, uh, wasn't quite as great. Right. Yeah. Last week, I mentioned how Wardog said on Twitter that he had no conversations with David for a while. And David said in the Hollywood Reporter interview that his relationship with Wardog dissolved during the cold, windy days of Lesu. Uh, He told Wardog that he was willing to go to rocks for him, and Wardog said he wasn't. And mm-hmm. uh, he said that was the end of that. And, you know, Wardog apparently uh, repeatedly said he was going to vote him out, which meant David would never be able to trust him, and that he would have to vote Wardog out before Wardog voted him out, which, of course, wasn't the way it actually happened. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the funny thing is that David told Josh in the interview that coming into the season, he wanted himself and Kelly to be shields for each other and work together. But he felt the need to target Kelly before he became a target when he saw how Kelly was keeping him at arm's length strategically. And ironically, that situation may have been the one that kept them both safe. And it wasn't until David got the boot that Kelly lost her shield and went immediately after him. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's talk about her because Kelly did well strategically in the early going. Creating that tight bond with Lauren, uh, you know, the same type of bond that uh, David had with Rick and then also with Wardog in yeah. a web in a web confessional for the third episode. She said anyone who was coming for her needed to go first. So she appreciated that Wardog came to her with information about Chris and said that he seemed genuine in a web confessional for the fourth episode. She said she trusted Wardog as much as you could trust someone in Survivor. And he demonstrated that trust with the Chris vote. In fact, she went on to say that he was the person she trusted the most. Mm-hmm. And look at what he did to her. Right, well, that's what you do on Survivor, right? No, and that is true. I do. I do really think the fact that she was able to create such a solid three. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's so much better than just having one. I mean, she had two and it, it was it wasn't even just strategic gameplay they were actually friends i mean i think war dog in one of his web confessionals said that they are his like actual friends like those those lauren and kelly were the closest friends that he had so that's that's even at a, another level it's not just gameplay it's it's that's more of a like a an emotional bond that they were able to create with each other so i do think that it's it was so smart for her to find that and find it early on and then you hear you have War Dog talking about how they've voted together in every single vote. So it, it clearly showed that they were working together. We saw the conversations they were having out on the island and they were making decisions together. And though it was a group effort, I do think that Kelly really was the one that recognized that that was necessary and kind of brought them all together in creating that threesome because it could have really just been her and Lauren, but they brought War Dog in too. Yeah. And, you know, as the game moved on, Kelly came to realize that, in her words, 
Uh, War Dog is a schemer and a manipulator and was obviously plotting, but she also said you need to trust people to get to the end. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite work out that way. Uh, but, but I want to go back to the first merge vote. At that point, uh, War Caloran, I, I can't use that much longer here now, um, I know. Could, could have worked with David and Rick, but instead they chose to throw them under the bus, trying to get Rick sent back to Extinction Island. It appears their plan was to work with Gavin, Victoria, and Julia, but I have to think it would have been better to keep good relationships with David and Rick instead of targeting them. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It may have been a situation where Kelly feared that if she didn't immediately throw Rick to the wolves, the wolves would quickly turn on her instead. No, I do agree with that, that it, I, I didn't think that they should separate themselves. They should have come together. It would have been better for the five of them to start working together. Sorry about that. That's Twitter. <laughs> I think it would have been better for the five of them to really come together at that point, vote together, because when you've got someone like Kelly and David who are coming with, you've got two people that Kelly's bringing with her. You've got one person that David is bringing with him. If that five could have all gotten on the same page, oh, it would have been beautiful. It would have been an incredible thing to see. But they just, for whatever reason, decided that no, they weren't going to be voting together at that at that point. And I don't, I don't know if it was because Kelly was concerned that you know David. I don't really know. I mean, because if she wanted him to kind of be a shield for her, it would have made more sense to to keep him in her in her fold, if you will, and 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 keep her in that and keep those two together in a group. Yeah, I mean, it could go back to, like I said, those cold, windy days of Lesu where, you know, some of those bonds were broken and, uh, you know, it could just be that they could pull themselves back together again. Now, it is, you know, remember, they were targeting Rick, even though they voted for David, they were part of an They thought overall plan to target Rick and keep oh, yeah. David mm-hmm. around. Yeah. So, um. But, well, but but you need you need the other half of David. If you really right. want to take the game over, you can't. You there's no you're not going to redeem yourself with David if you vote out his his right. closest ally. So you really need to work with both of them and not target the other half, because then you've you've completely cut off any potential chance that you could work with David after that point. So I, I feel like that was that was a missed opportunity for the three of them to really bring David and Devons together and not focus on Devons on that vote. And also it offended people that, that Lauren and Kelly were even talking about the idea of Devons going immediately back to Extinction Island. They were acting as if it was going to be an easy vote and other people thought it was really kind of mean. So, you know, I just, I think it was an interesting response to that particular vote at that time and where people were coming from. Yeah. Now, with that said, we did see Kelly thinking ahead strategically after that vote in other ways when she and Lauren pushed their new comma allies to go after Ron instead of David. And, you know, it ended up causing a breakdown in that group, which helped lead to that tra- crazy tribal council. Yes. And that it, that's the one thing that I I found so fascinating about this season is the ability to create chaos seems to be so much. I, I don't necessarily think it's easier. But it's having an effect, you know, because I think we've seen in past Survivor seasons when people try to create chaos, it never really works. You try and you think that there's going to be some some chaotic moment, some someone's going to blow up, something's going to happen. We don't ever really get to see it come to fruition like we did with this season. 
And for whatever reason, it did work. And they were able to kind of create that ripple that then developed into that phenomenal tribal council that we saw. But now, unfortunately, we were hoping that 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 wave was going to continue, but uh-huh. it, <laughs> it continued in the wrong direction. I think it, it took out the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, after that crazy tribal council, I mean, we thought all the Lesu were coming together again. But, you know, no, once again, War Caloran brought in some comma people, though different comma people this time. And, right. you know, there was plenty of scheming and plotting going on. It, it, you just have to wonder if it was the right kind with the right people. And if Kelly, again, would have been better off sticking with her fellow Lesu. Well, in that, in that particular tribal council, there was a couple of comments that I thought were really quite telling. The one when David like reintroduces himself to Kelly, I thought yes. was great. Not just because it was funny, but because it, it shows how much of a breakdown there was between those two. That it was he that there that in that moment he needed to reintroduce himself to Kelly. Like, hey, I remember me. And and Kelly's reaction to it, I think was very telling that they they weren't working together and they really had severed ties. So the idea of them using that moment to come together was really great. But then you have Kelly turn around and say to the comma people that I'm not I'm not turning my back on you. I'm not voting against you or however she's phrasing it. But she was she was telling them I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be true to you, even though they had really wanted to vote her out. And she didn't know. So it, <laughs> right. it, it was a very interesting tribal council to see that. David was, I think that was like an, an olive branch, you know, if you, and was, he was trying to, to get Kelly into the fold. But I also think it was a bad move on David's part to then walk away from that conversation in that moment because he got called over by Ron to come over, you know, let's come over here and talk. David and Devons went over and he's like, hang on one second, Kelly. And that was, I think, again, a missed moment for David because he should have been focusing on Kelly right then because that gave Kelly an opportunity to then focus on comma again. So there's, it's a very strange relationship that the two had that it was like they didn't want to work together, but they really needed to work together. And I think we were all hoping that that's what was going to end up happening after that crazy tribal council, that they would realize it and come together. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. No, no. So uh, we'll head into the second rule, which tells players to avoid scheming and plotting too much and backstabbing too soon. And earlier I mentioned how Kelly got rid of her returning player shield the moment David was voted out. So we have to discuss whether she did indeed stab David in the back too soon. What do you think? I think so. I do think that she would have been better off heading down a different path, looking at the comma people, because yes, once, once she's the lone returning player, no one's forgotten that she's the returning player. And even though she's got Lauren and she has war dog, hmm. she's still, a returning player and now she is the only returning player and she needed that shield she needed that david shield to get further in the game take out some of the other people who don't necessarily have connections or ties that would have been an easier vote as opposed to david i just i feel like it was too soon for her it made it might have made sense for the other players because clearly as we've already discussed david is a threat to win but for kelly it wasn't a good move for Kelly because obviously then, yes, she's she's the lone returning player standing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think she did it too soon. Um, you know, we've been talking about this already. 
they were acting as shields for one another and they had just sort of reconnected or maybe even connected for the first time. And she may have worried he would grab that foothold we talked about earlier and get ahead of her in terms of relationships with other players. I'm just not sure. And here's the thing, though, about that. And this is what I think Kelly wasn't being mindful of, is that she had two. He only had one. You know, he's got Devons, she's got Lauren and Wardog. And so as far as getting that foothold, she's in a better place because she does have those two. And we know that three is stronger than two. And, and I, I feel like she could have had the ability to use that to her benefit because she, she comes along with two votes. He only comes along with one. And that she probably could have sold that to other comma people about how we should move forward with the potential votes and take out the people who really didn't have anybody. You know, I mean, there's people that are out there that don't have a, a ride or die, you know, and, and they're, they're making it through the game, but they don't have, they're not coming with someone else who can bring another vote along. So I just, I feel like Kelly would have been in a better position where she was, where she was coming from in the game because she had two. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, as for David, he definitely toned down the obvious strategizing and overreacting kind of that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, he was much calmer than his first time out. He wasn't drawing the same kind of super schemey attention that he had early in your season. And, you know, as you talked about it, he left that persona behind even later on in the season in in your season. He wasn't that same type of person. So it makes sense that he came in kind of as a, a different person. Yeah, he left my season and I called him Kaiser Sose. <laughs> I think he entered this season continuing that Kaiser Sose type of persona. He really he really did understand he needed to play the game differently than he did last time. I think Kelly did, too, though. I think that Kelly recognized issues that she had in her gameplay previously and what she needed to do differently. And I think we're going to get there in a different rule. But so I do think that both of them did look at at how they were playing the game and they had learned things from their previous time playing and stepped it up in certain places and might have made some decisions that weren't really we didn't that don't make sense to us. But maybe in their mind it did. And I think in Kelly's mind, maybe she thought that David was too much of a threat because David really is the type of person that. The longer he stays, and we talked about this, he's going to, he has such an ability to make it even farther. It's like the more you give him, the more he's going to take. And and all of a sudden you're going to get to the final three and David's going to be sitting there and everyone's going to be like, what the hell happened? How did we let that happen? Because he's just so good at how he does it. Right, right. Now, Along the way, you know, one one part of uh, this rule is to not be seen in obvious duos. And both David and Kelly had obvious relationships. Uh, the the duo for Kelly, I'm sorry, the duo for David and the trio for Kelly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that these kind of partnerships are just begging to be split up. And David was then literally begging for Kelly's trio to be split. Um, so. You know, in David's case, they first took out Rick. And then in Kelly's situation, the trio got a, a lot of attention when Wardog kept bringing up how loyal they were to each other. Kelly tried to downplay this by saying that just because the trio voted together didn't mean they would continue to do so. And 
Well, she turned out to be right, but obviously not in the way she intended. I, I do think all the discussion about the Lesu three taking control of the game in the prior tribal council may have impacted uh, on War Dog's decision to take out Kelly at that point so as to avoid that stigma. But he was the one doing it. Well, he was the one doing it until until it was thrown back in his face. Yeah, but it's interesting, though, that I almost feel like for whatever reason, I mean, David was explaining this to Julie and he was explaining it to Ron. He was talking to, to Devons about it. Like, why is everyone letting this three just run through the game? And they're and they're all I mean, no matter what David said, it was almost like people were willing to turn a blind eye to it. And I don't know if it was because and this is just my crazy thought and I don't know if it if it is a thing <laughs> or not. But and I, I mentioned it at know-it-alls. But when you have if you are looking at potential who you can sit next to in the final three and we there was something very similar that we did see this happen with, you know, with Wendell and Dominic. When you have if someone makes a final three and it's and it's two of of, a you know, if, it, if it's a couple, if it's a power duo, if you will, if they both make it. Or even if you have three people that have been playing the game together the whole time, there, people might have to split the votes because it's going to be like, well, who did what? You guys both played the same game. So tell me why your game was better than that person's game. So I don't know if people thought in their minds, well, they're all playing the same game. All three of them are playing the same game. So if I end up sitting next to two of them in a final three, well, they played the same game. I'm playing a different game. So that's going to give me a benefit sitting next to two of them. I don't know if that's what someone was thinking, but it really, I mean, they were all playing the same game. You know, I mean, some of them might be playing a little bit louder, a little bit more forward. But when you look at the, the decisions that those three have been making, they've been making the same decisions through the whole game. Yeah, I, I mean, I have talked about splitting the vote in the past. And it is something I think we want to revisit because I can't actually think of an instance where that idea has worked. Mm -hmm. That You bring two people from an alliance and they truly split the vote. Usually what happens is all the credit is given to one person and the other person gets no votes. Right. And, you know, even when you had Dominic and Wendell against Laurel. Well, OK, yeah, Dominic and Wendell split the vote, but that sure didn't benefit Laurel. Oh, yeah. And because I'm not they, saying it would you know, be to a benefit, but right. maybe that's what they're thinking. I guess it's possible. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just not really sure. I don't know. All right. Now, uh, before we move on to the third rule, let's take a quick break for our sponsor. And we're back. So let's go on to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. I think David showed his flexibility, or as Wardog called it, his squirminess uh, throughout his time in the game, often because he had to. And I think you've already talked about this a little bit. But what else? What do you think about that? Well, he did say in one of his interviews last time I was neurotic and openly searching for idols. This time I made sure to remain at the camp and integrate myself socially. And he felt that he needed to rely on his social game to get through early votes. So he he certainly was being much more flexible in his approach to the game. As a, I think he learned. He definitely learned what he needed to do. And I think he was he was looking at this game in a different way. And so, yes, I think that his his flexibility, it showed in how he ended up presenting himself as opposed to how he presented himself last time. 
Yeah, and I think we could go back uh, pretty far into this season and also see it at work because multiple times he wanted to target Kelly. But every time early on, he backed off and went in another direction because of the way the winds were blowing. Mm -hmm. It got to the point that some viewers thought he was actually working with Kelly and the producers were just trying to trick us. But no, that definitely was not the case at the time. And, you know, we could just look at his web confessionals from from around then and, and his one in particular from the double episode. Uh, about a month ago, where David said he initially wanted to target Kelly, but then she he was working with her in a strange partnership. He thought at the time that she was targeting him as well. And although, you know, we never saw that. But at that point, he had to trust her because the newbies were out for returnee blood. Mm-hmm. And, and then he continued to wanted to want to use uh, Kelly as a shield as she was probably using him as one. He knew that he had to adapt to get to the next vote. He targeted Kelly because she wasn't working with him. But at that point, she was the only path to the merge in his mind. And he closed out by saying, you have to trust people you can't trust. You need to reassess and reevaluate, which you know pretty well defines flexibility and goes back to what we said earlier about the two of them being each other's shields. Yeah. And we even saw it when he ended up when Chris got voted out, you know, that the 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 need to change the plan at that point because and he he saw the potential problem if 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 anyone finds out what the plan is and he knew that it was going to need to change and and it changed mm-hmm. so he he wasn't locking himself into any one set vote or any one set plan or way to get to that vote he was willing to okay well we're not going to do that now now we're going to do something different right right And, you know, Kelly, I think, was generally pretty flexible as well, especially early in the game. She said in an episode two web confessional that she was willing to go with the majority as far as Keith or Wendy to make it an anybody but me strategy because it worked for Sandra twice. Mm -hmm. Not not that I think she had any stake in, you know, Keith or Wendy anyway, just that she wasn't pushing because she didn't want to become the target instead. And then later in the game, Kelly did move around somewhat in terms of who she worked with. But she was always locked in with Wardog and Lauren. And, you know, okay, we could say that David was always locked in with Rick as well. But David lost Rick temporarily uh, through being voted out. And then, you know, they voted differently the first time when he returned. As we heard many times, Kelly literally never voted differently from Wardog and Lauren until she was blindsided. She was willing to work with others as well, which, you know, we saw at the merge as part of discussions. a result of the discussions at the two tribe tribal council, but we only saw it happen when her whole trio moved in that same direction. So there's an argument to be made that Kelly never needed to work without her trio, obviously until the very end, while David found himself in circumstances that truly did necessitate it. Yes. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I think that they would just found themselves in, in different positions and different places because of who they were working with and ultimately what ended up happening. I mean, you have Devin's got voted out. So as soon as Devin's gets voted out, David's like forced to have to be flexible because that was his second half or his other half that, that is no longer in the game. Kelly didn't have to ever deal with that. She didn't have to deal with losing any part of her trio. You know, now we're going to see what happens for Lauren because Lauren just lost Kelly, you know, so we'll see how flexible she is. But Kelly really didn't have to adapt in the same way that that David did. Right, right. All right. Uh, we we uh, head to the fourth rule, which tells players not to let their emotions control them. And 
I don't think we had any problems here from either of our Manu returning players. Um, you know, writer Gordon Holmes said on Twitter, it seems like David's superpower was the ability to not take the game personally. And I think Kelly was similar for both of them. You know, they weren't going to get mad if someone, including each other, voted against them previously, if they felt that it was strategically necessary to work with that person going forward. They were both willing to put aside the past from an emotional standpoint. And, you know, while I know that both of them had the attitude that they needed to go after anyone who was targeting them, that was for strategic purposes, not emotional ones. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that they both played a a very excellent kind of even keel game, understanding how they needed to approach people, how they needed to have conversations with people and, and really understood, I think because of their prior gameplay, how best to approach those situations and circumstances and not let their emotions control them. All right. So the fifth rule discusses how players have to pretend to be nice and play the social game. What did you think of David in this regard? Oh God, David, he's so good at it. It's ridiculous. No, I think that, I think as far as David's social game, I mean, he, and I, I, he said it going in and I've I've already talked about how he needed to rely on his social game to get through the early votes. And I think that's exactly what he did. He had the ability and we can use Wendy as a perfect example. You've already mentioned her. He saw Wendy as kind of a bonus to him as a smoke screen because she was upsetting people and and no one really wanted to work with her people wanted to vote her out and he was willing to take her in and he made her feel significant and comfortable and like he cared about her people were making fun of her for the, the injury that she had and and her using a cane and he didn't think that that was a benefit to anyone and so i think that his his manner of play this time was really to integrate himself with everybody. I think the I think when he played Survivor first time, he had a hard time doing that. He wasn't really good at forming bonds early on and creating friendships early on. He was kind of on the outs at the beginning. Whereas this time, I feel like he was kind of the center of so much of the activity and had made the attempt if you will to speak to everybody. And make everyone feel like they mattered. I think he did an excellent job with that and really made it about them. And he did say that in his interview as well, that he he wanted it to be about their experience and not about his experience, which I think is it's a very incredible distinction to make that you can't make it about you. You can't make it about yourself. It has to be about them and what they want. And I think he recognized that and he did great with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that that same Hollywood reporter interview with Josh, uh, you know, he said that he and Kelly were able to survive so many pre-merged tribal councils because of their social game. And he needed to be this time that calming presence instead of the neurotic presence that it was with you. And so it, it did really help him. And and he also knew that he had to rely on his social game early because, you know, when it comes to challenges, he described himself as more of a sinker than a swimmer. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Now, a- another example of David's social game that he also discussed in the interview was that even when he felt like he was on the outs with the Lesu three, he still got along with them individually. Mm-hmm. 
it, of course, at least until the time when he and Wardog weren't talking anymore, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that even though there was that, it's interesting because that seems like such a huge rift to have when you have three people that you're really not getting along with. But he was getting along with them. He just wasn't playing the game with them. So right. it's, a, it's a very interesting distinction to make that, like, yes, we can still be friends and we can still chat, but we're just not going to strategize with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, as for Kelly, you know, she didn't get as many web confessionals or interview questions, uh, in-game interviews earlier about her social game. So we, we don't have as much to quote and go on there. But it was clear that she was also doing a good job in this regard, as David alluded to in his own interview. She had created not just strategic bonds, but also the bonds of friendship that you mentioned earlier with Lauren and, you know, she thought with Wardog and even others like Gavin. And these helped to keep her safe for as long as she was. Yeah, she definitely took a step back. I And I can't remember what episode it was in, but I know it was early on. It might have even been it could have been as early as the first episode, maybe the second. But I just remember her having a conversation with people like on the path and she then it was followed up by a web confessional and she was like she was struggling because she's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to play this game like I like I played before. Like it was almost like she wanted to she wanted to yell at people and she really wanted to to not be friendly, but she knew she needed to be. And I don't remember exactly how she ended up expressing it, but I just I, I still see that in my mind is like that was that was a really key moment for her realizing I need these people. And even if they're annoying me and even if I don't really want to be friendly with them, I have to do this right now. Like I have to talk to them and I have to be interested and, and we need to, we need to kind of create this relationship. And she, she clearly did that very well. And she did it exceptionally well with Lauren and what she thought was exceptionally well with Wardog. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we know how that ended up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we, uh, We'll move along here. We discussed the sixth rule first, of course. So now we'll move on to the seventh, which cover, covers idols and advantages. Both Kelly and David came into the game renowned for their abilities in this area. And the two of them tried to start off the season on the same foot, uh, which we know because Ron tweeted after the first episode that everybody else had left the marooning boat except for himself, Kelly and David. And mm -hmm. they were all looking for the advantage that they expected to be hidden there course ron found it but that didn't stop those two from trying and you know when both of them had access to an idol on the other hand they mm. both played it incorrectly in different ways but starting with david he didn't find an idol since lauren found the manu idol and then kelly found the one at lesu but he was given half of one by rick and used it to reinforce their bond together even after initially refusing to turn it back over to Rick when he was able to, uh, as a way to keep their lines of communication open. Yeah, and I do, I, I'm frustrated with the decision to play the idol when they did during that crazy tribal council. You got to give props to Kelly and Lauren for holding on to theirs as long as they did, even though. Kelly still held right. on to hers when she shouldn't. Um, but but in that in that particular crazy tribal council, when Julia ended up going home, I feel like that was one of those situations where it was like it was an all or nothing. I really do feel like that is a tribal. And we've discussed this already where it was a live tribal and people were changing their their minds and they were making new plans. And I know David said he heard his name at least three times come up. But 
I feel like it, that was one of those moments where not playing it. Obviously, we know now in hindsight would have been the best idea for him to have held on to it. But I just feel like he sh- he could have taken full advantage of the craziness of that tribal council and not played the idol just because it was so insane. And I, I don't think any of the old plans would have actually played out. And we saw that they didn't. So it's it's unfortunate that he that he played it. But I understand why he did, because and he explained it, too. You don't want to go home when you had an idol in your pocket. And he certainly didn't want to do that in that instance, but he could have used it, obviously, for the next tribal. Yeah. And, you know, you and I talked about that last week was I know he heard his name. I know that they told him the original plan was to vote for him. But from everything we heard at the end of that tribal council, everyone knew Julia was going home. Julia knew it. War Dog counted out the votes. Now, I guess, you know, David and Rick just didn't believe it. Or they wanted to be sure. But in that case, that was a time when I think they should have just held it in their pockets. And yeah. I, I think they went in with the plan to use it. And even with all the craziness, they said, nah, let's just go ahead and still use it. And it, it boy, it sure would have been handy to have one more vote, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it would have been. Because could you imagine how much fun that would have been? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in any case, though. Uh, you know, as for, so he played it too early. Kelly didn't play it at all. And, you know, we know though that at least she found it. She was looking everywhere and she even started to think that she had lost her touch when at first she couldn't find it according to a web confessional, but she kept trying and she wasn't just going to assume someone else already found it, which is something the players, you know, may end up doing at points. When Mm -hmm. she did find it, she said her mantra is to never tell anyone. But others were nearby and she believed that Lauren had her back. So she told her and then she got information about Lauren's idol in return, which, like you said, led to a series of tribal councils where both of them held onto their idols when viewers couldn't believe it. And, you know, I said at the time that they clearly got some reassurances that they trusted even after having been duped in the Joe vote. But it really was a potential fool me twice situation. And I, I just would love to see this, the, the conversations that convinced her that she was safe in those. Yeah, I, that's the one thing we re- definitely are missing because I there were so many times where it was it's shocking that she didn't play her idol and sat there and they it was it was really incredible. So there had to have been more that we just didn't see that would have caused her to not play it. Yeah. Now, of course, this week was one tribal council too long. And, you know, yeah, everyone was giving her props uh, for holding on to the idols when it seemed to take nerves of steel to do so. But if you keep holding on and you end up getting voted out with one in your pocket, that praise can uh, quickly turn sour. And the fact is, Kelly could have easily gotten burned on the Joe vote, but she got lucky that they didn't vote for her, that they did vote for Joe. She still wasn't in on the plan. They were lying to her. You know, it's just that they chose to vote for her for for Joe instead of her. And this time she had no suspicion that it could be her because it seemed so simple. And War Dog and company did a good job hiding it from her. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it would have been tough for her to figure out that she was the target this time. Maybe she should have been more suspicious because we've been talking about how she and David were shields for each other. And of course, David had just gone. I don't know. I, I mean, if, if 
there was nothing there that she could latch on to. I can understand why she didn't play it this time. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you have when you have your closest ally, War Dog, and then Lauren both telling you this is what the plan is, and everyone's on the same page going along with that plan. It's interesting that I mean, nobody nobody gave her even the slightest hint that this was happening. Clearly Lauren was kept in the dark and obviously for a good reason. Right. She probably would have told Kelly. But when you have someone, you know, even Aurora was like hard pressed to believe that this was actually happening. You know, like, is this really, is he really going to go through with this? But nobody gave her any hint whatsoever, which we don't see that very often in Survivor. Usually somebody screws it up. You know, someone is, someone says something or gives them a little bit of a, of a, an idea that something is amiss, but yeah, nobody did this time. So I don't, I'm not surprised that she didn't play it because clearly everyone was playing their game very, very well going into that tribal. Right. Right. All right. Before we close out this rule, I I did want to talk about the one thing related to advantages (laughs) that I was sorry to not see. And that was that David didn't get the, the chance to create the fake advantage he talked about in the pregame. Well, at least not yet. Yeah. And I tried to, speaking of advantages, the fact that he gave Devons that advantage, I was kind of scratching my head about because he's already got someone. He's already got Devons. Devons is already on his side. So to give him the advantage, I was a little bit confused about. But I guess in the end, it made sense since Devons won immunity and Devons didn't get voted out. So I guess overall, it worked out well for David. Yeah. and. you know, I know that the the confessional that he had was a little bit confusing because it made it sound like he was going to give it to someone else. Yeah. But instead, he gave it to Rick. And, you know, I, I just think what he was saying was, I need someone in there, if I make it back, who is at least an ally of mine. Right. And And giving it to, I mean, who else would he have given it to? Maybe Julie? Well... Okay, sorry, Julie. She probably wasn't going to win that challenge anyway. Although, you know, Rick, I'm sorry, David didn't know what kind of challenge it was. And, you know, she obviously has done well in some challenges. But um, I I think that he just wanted to make sure there was a solid person there. And I mean, Julie had turned on him that prior vote. So why help her out? No, and I I think it it did make sense considering how or looking at how it all unfolded and and worked out. And good job, Devins. I'm very right. impressed. All right, let's go on to Appendix A, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting. And a big part of the rule is that they should, whenever possible, vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. We are, of course, still in the party game where they should be voting out the strong, though with the shifting alliances like they have, it's sometimes hard to tell. But clearly, this group is still trying to take out threats as they look ahead to the end. And, you know, the question is whether or not they made the right decision at each of these two votes. Starting with the first vote, I well, I was just talking about Julie and, of course, Ron, and I, I really don't know why those two decided to align with War Caloran instead of Rick and David, because they had been talking to Rick and David for a while now. It seemed like Julie really wanted to work with Rick, and War Dog said in this episode that he'd never worked with Ron and Julie, and, and then Ron said he didn't want to get in bed with War Dog, while Julie said Rick and David's pitch made sense to her. So mm-hmm. it... it I don't quite understand what happened there. And this, again, is part of the problem with it being a double boot episode 
We had a much more restricted amount of time and no web confessional. So we are, you know, still scratching our heads. On top of that, it looked like those two were joining up with a power trio that had them outnumbered. So I would love to know more about what they were thinking. But my best guess is they figured they could rejoin maybe with Gavin and Victoria to overcome the Lesu trio. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, the only potential idea that I have as to why they did it, because I don't, it doesn't make any sense at all. But if they're looking at Endgame, and this is an opportunity to take out one of the biggest threats in the game, someone who will definitely win if he's sitting in the final three, that might be all that it was for them, is that we have to look at Endgame and where we're going to be at. And here's an opportunity for us to take out a really big player because the other option was not Kelly. So then if they go one more vote, now they still have David and they still have Kelly and the numbers are that much less. And so in their mind, maybe they thought it would just be easier if we have an opportunity now to get out a really big threat. Then we just have to focus on Kelly. You know, then she's the next one. So then we can focus on that, that trio and war dog did it for them. You know, they didn't even need to do it. So, and, and that's the only thought I really have as to why they decided at that moment that that would be their best play because it was taking out one of the biggest threats left in the game. Yeah. You know, and, and during that tribal council, David pointed out the trio in his attempt to flip things around. It, it was a good idea on his part because, as Aurora said, the Lesu three were controlling the game. But minds were already made up and David couldn't create a live tribal council this time. He did note, though, that the so-called easy vote against him would end up would end some of their own games. And they needed to understand that, you know, their ship was sinking. Mm-hmm. I, I do think both of his points hit home for the next vote. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I do think that that listening to him say those things in that moment was very spot on and really exactly what was happening. And that's why I think all of us were very surprised that he still was the one that went home, that they didn't, that Ron and Julie didn't see it for what it was. But again, the target on the other side wasn't one of those three people at the time. You know, they weren't targeting. I mean, who was the other, who was the other potential? Honestly, I don't even remember. I don't Um, even remember either. I I mean, was it War Dog? It wasn't Kelly. I feel like it was Aurora. I don't even know. No, she won. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember who. Isn't that crazy? See, that's how insignificant yeah. it was. You know? So so that to me is is the only benefit that they probably saw was that we're taking out one of the biggest threats and then we can deal with the three. That's that's the only thing I can come up with. So, yeah, it's it, it because David what David was saying was absolutely accurate. But then to go into the next vote and have the only person who is really hearing what David said and going, oh, crap, we got to do something about this, is the person who's actually creating it. And that's War Dog. So War Dog was like, oh, I'm going to listen to what David said and take his advice. And I'm going to start, I'm going to jump off this ship too, because I feel like it's, I'm going to go down with this ship if, if I don't do, if I don't change things. So I do think that it's interesting that he was the one out of everybody that, that took that to heart and changed things in the manner that he did. Yeah. And, you know, just what you were saying about how they didn't flip over even though david was making sense again that just goes to show most tribal councils aren't live yeah you know Mm -hmm. they it it is extremely rare we had one the last week but other than that most people go in 
with a pretty well-defined idea of what they're doing. And David and Rick both did very well making their points, but it didn't matter because the yeah. choices were already made and they were not going to you know, let another live tribal council happen. Well, uh, I do think that that conversation that we saw between Julie and David and Devons is very telling when he was talking about that one conversation that you're going to have. Right. And that's the one conversation you will remember. And I don't know if that's kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen with Julie. If she had just said, you know, there's that conversation I had with David and maybe I should have done something different. You know, and who knows? I mean, it, it, again, it worked for the second vote for the, the second half of the episode, I guess we should say, because Kelly went home. Mm-hmm. But we still don't know what's going to happen for Julie or Ron moving forward. Right. And, you know, this does circle it back to the question of whether Kelly did the right thing and voted David out at this point, because based on the immediate results, it would be easy to say no. You know, she didn't. But if we put that aside, what could she have done instead? She could have pushed to vote out Rick, you know, or instead target one of the commas. But I feel like Julie had more of a connection with Rick and she would almost certainly have been resistant to taking out Gavin or Victoria also. So it's possible that David was the only real option other than well joining back up with David and Rick. And, and I think it's pretty clear that there were those divisions between those two groups that, that made that too difficult. So I don't know that Kelly had much of an option there. Yeah, no, it was definitely we're, I mean, we're getting down there as far as who's left and and who you want to end up bringing into the final three with you. And so those are all considerations that players are, are making and and thinking about when these decisions are being made. And I think that Kelly probably worked through that and decided this was really the only option for her. Yeah. Yeah. So moving, moving ahead to the Kelly vote, I I mentioned earlier and and you've mentioned too, that I do think one reason war dog made the move now was all the talk about the less three controlling the game. Uh, Davey also noted this point on know-it-alls, but the question has come up mostly from Stephen Fishback as to whether the move to boot Kelly was too soon for War Dog. Now, Gabby agreed with Stephen at Know-It-Alls in saying she thought War Dog made this move too early because the question is who's protecting him now. Mm-hmm. And, and with Kelly gone, it does indeed bring up the question of who is the next biggest threat. I would say it's War Dog. It is. And, you know, absolutely. And, and yeah. I don't know right now what his plan is to keep moving through the game. But Rob did note that War Dog works with everyone and can pull together different people, as we saw this time. If if he had kept moving through the game with Kelly, he would have had a very tough fight at the end. And, and you already talked about that. Plus, by making the move when he did, he did negate a threat level of his whole Lesu 3 group which is now Lesu 2. Uh, so it's one Lesu. Uh, uh, <laughs> one less Lesu. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> as, you know, as we were just discussing, the, the problem is that we, we don't really know what all the relationships are in the game right now, thanks to the bizarre editing and lack of web confessionals. Can Wardog keep pulling people together? Does Victoria really feel as much on the bottom as she said this week? What is really going on with Gavin? We don't know the answers to any of these. But as we go forward, I've been giving people the benefit of the doubt in many cases this season. And so far in every case, I believe I've been correct to do so. You know, when people were going after Rick, oh, he doesn't have a plan. No, he did have a plan. We just didn't see it. Things like that. 
I, I think War Dog has a plan. And, you know, he has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt with the moves that he has been making. So I, I think we're just going to have to wait till next week to see what that plan is. Yeah, because it's so interesting to look at the potential effects that this vote could cause for his game. He voted out Kelly, who's now on the jury. So does he, if he makes final three, does he lose her vote? Is she, is she going to be able to look at it and say that was a great game move? Or is you stabbed me in the back and we were so loyal to each other? So that's a question. You know, have you offended, have you offended Kelly so much that she wouldn't give you, give you a vote in the end? And now we have Lauren as well. You know, Lauren is one of the lesu three that clearly was kept out of the vote. And she was not told by Wardog what was happening. And so Wardog kind of turned his back on her. So how's the relationship with Lauren going to be? So have you now lost those two loyal people that you had moving forward to then work with people that yeah you don't really know how they're going to play with you or if they're going to vote with you? Whereas before you had two people, you knew exactly how they were going to vote and exactly you know where they were at and if they were going to vote with you. So you take all of that and you lose it. And so now you're moving forward kind of, it's your own game, yes. But before, at least it was your own game and you had support for how you wanted to move forward in the game. So it's it's going to be a difficult road, I think, for him. Unless, of course, we're just not seeing a bunch of other components to it. Because he, he no longer has the safety of working with Kelly and Lauren. That's done. Yeah, I mean, I, my own personal thought, I don't think he loses Kelly's vote. If he makes it to the end, I think she does applaud him for the move. And I think he could bring back Lauren. Because remember, there was a, a, a secret scene where Lauren came up on Wardog and Kelly talking about her. And it was a yeah. really awkward secret scene. He mm-hmm. could easily turn around and say, look, I'm sorry I had to keep you in the dark, but she wanted you gone. Well, and, and there's the other component of this, too, is she might be happy that Wardog made this happen right. because now she doesn't have to worry about it, about sitting next to Kelly in the end. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it could it could be great. I mean, people could look at it and go, thank you, War Dog. Thank you for doing the thing that I wasn't sure how I was going to pull off. So absolutely. I mean, it might it might end up being just fine. Yeah. Now, um, there, there's a couple more people that we have to talk about in terms of whether they made the right vote. And that's uh, Aurora and Victoria. And it does seem pretty clear that, you know, the plan was a good one as it kept attention off of them. And especially in Aurora's case, it meant she stuck around for another vote. Uh, there is still the question of Ron, though. And one question Rob has asked repeatedly this, you know, in the past few days is why Julie hates Aurora so much. She always seems to be talking about how Aurora has to go, meaning it appeared to be a risk for Ron not to tell Julie about the anti-Kelly vote. But here's the thing. I'm not 100 percent sure that Julie was not in on this plan. I think she might have been because yeah, we saw Julie say at one point, quote, she's got to go. It was implied she was talking about Aurora. But we don't really know. She the yeah. she could have been Kelly just as easily. And I therefore wonder if maybe she voted for Aurora as part of a planned split vote in case of an idol. This would also explain why Gavin voted for Aurora, although Gavin did say last week he had grown close to Kelly, so he didn't want to vote her out then. But, you know, I don't know. Julie did seem dismayed and she was kind of shaking her head when Kelly was voted out. But who knows when she was thinking in that moment? And, and, you know, if she was really going to be super pissed at Ron, I think past cases with Julie have shown that 
Well, it would be quite evident that she is super pissed and she would have been much more upset in the moment. So I think Ron and Julie's alliance will be just fine. You know, also not to mention, even if Julie wasn't in on it, not like she has much other place to go. So I think those two will be fine, which means Ron didn't really risk anything in taking out the final returnee. Yeah, no, I would agree with that assessment because I do think that we've obviously seen sometimes the editing is creative. You know, I mean, the when Kelly came with her receipts about the, the Rick Devins, mm-hmm. you know, confessional that made it sound like she was completely against Rick Devins and turns out she really wasn't. So, you know, I, who knows? I mean, the she could have certainly been Kelly, but we just have to see what happens next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've gone through all the rules. What are your final thoughts on David and Kelly? Well, my final thoughts on David and Kelly are, I will just kind of put them together. Uh, They are returning players, and we all knew that coming in. And as returning players, they brought with them their own threat level because they've played this game before. And they come with a skill set that nobody else has other than those returning players. I think that's a really hard thing in a season like this to work beyond. When you have four people who have been there before, and then you have a group of people who are newbies. You hope that those newbies are going to have stars in their eyes and just be struck by seeing these people and not want to vote them out. Unfortunately, we have a group of people who are newbies who are not starstruck, but are super fans and want to make big moves. And we're targeting the returning players right away. We saw what happened with Joe. We saw what happened with Aubrey, not in that order. And now we see what happens with David and Kelly. I do think that David and Kelly really did need each other. They needed each other as a shield. We've talked about whether or not Kelly made the right decision with voting out David. Maybe it was the only option. But I do think that David and Kelly, we saw them both grow as players. They came in and played a much different game this time than they did the last time. Kelly has now played three times and has changed her game each time and improved upon her game. I think David improved upon his as well. But unfortunately, for the two of them, You can't get past where they came from. You can't get past what they are. And they're both returning players. And I think that that threat level that they brought as returning players really was one of the biggest reasons why they went home. Because they come with that ability to play this game. And then they played the game so well. They both did exceptionally well socially. They made bonds, connected with people. We saw Kelly with her war caloran. You know, we saw... (laughs) David with his Devons and we saw what they were able to do with those relationships and they did an excellent job with it. David said loyalty is his brand and it really was. And I think that that brought him far in this game. And I think Kelly changed her social game and made it a focus and made it so much further in this game because she did. And unfortunately it just came down to who are the biggest threats. And I think at this moment where the game was sitting and where we see the game progressing forward to, they were the biggest threats to win this game. I think everybody recognized that. It was mentioned by a lot of people who are out there playing with them. So, unfortunately for Kelly and David, they were walking into a season that they were going to have a very, very tall mountain to climb. And it's not a mountain of pizza, but we might have seen that too. (laughs) It was an actual mountain. And they, they climbed it, I think, much farther and much higher than we had anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, David and Kelly have been frenemies through this entire season. Both obviously came into the game, as you said, as huge threats. They seemed to need each other, but couldn't work directly with each other. 
This kept them safe through many tribal councils while the Kama returnees were quickly dispatched. Of course, this wasn't the only factor that kept them around. Both of them played very good strategic and social games. They, they identified threats to themselves and were flexible enough to work through it. But one thing they couldn't avoid was that they remained a threat no matter how far along in the game they got. They were playing the game with the newbies, but the newbies always saw them as something more, someone too powerful. They knew from history that if a returnee got to the end, there was a good chance they would win. The new players had to take the season and make it their own. David and Kelly were functioning both intentionally and unintentionally as each other's shields. It seemed like Kelly either forgot David was serving her in that role or she figured she didn't need it anymore or she simply couldn't go against the decision that was forming around her. Kelly knew that David posed a big threat to her just as she was an apparent threat to him. They had taken their swings at one another throughout the game, but no punches had really landed. Then, out of the blue, the alliance formed that would end David's game despite his attempts to stick around. And then when Kelly was the only returnee left, attention quickly and easily turned to her when Wardog decided the trio had run its course. David knew he was getting voted out at that point, but Kelly was blindsided with an idol still in her pocket. In both cases, though, being a returning player was the key factor. This raises the question of whether any returning player on a mixed season like this can ever make it through. If those two couldn't, I definitely have my doubts about anybody else having future success in similar circumstances. New players are just too well-versed in the strategy of the game now, and they are not going to blindly go along the same way they did back in Boston Rob's win. I won't say it's impossible, but as you said, it is certainly a steep uphill climb. Kelly and David got knocked off because the new players didn't want them to get close enough to reach the summit of that hill. And that is why David and Kelly lost. Ta-da! Ta-da! So, uh, you know, I, it, was, it was very tempting to throw in when we were talking about climbing up hills, you know, someone that you knew climbing up Mount Fuji. Or at mm. least a fake Mount Fuji. <laughs> You should have thrown it in anyway. Well, you know, and then uh, maybe uh, forgetting to do something while he was up there. I know. Listen, do we want to talk about the Amazing Race? Because we can, but I thought that we were just talking about Survivor. But well, yes. we are. But yes. you know, Chris and Brett are from your season, so uh, listen. I just want to know who came up with the damn costume, okay? Like, <laughs> I mean, come on! Like, the whole thing is just hysterical. And yes, I do feel for Brett. That, you know, but he did climb it twice, right? I mean, that was a big deal that he actually he accomplished he that did. feat. He did something that nobody else did. He climbed it twice. <laughs> yeah, there was a reason no one else did that, though. I know. But that costume, my word, that was rough. You never thought you'd see Brett in a unitard with a big wig? <laughs> no. No, I really never thought I was going to see that ever. But yeah. But good for them. I'm, you know, I'm very excited for the two of them. I'm very excited for them. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on them uh, and, you know, uh, as they go along here. Uh, in the meantime, though, we have to move into predictions. And my prediction is who knows what could happen this season? That's the way I feel. I really feel that way. I've, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's so, uh, it's so frustrating because you just, you look at, you know, who do we have for potential if we're going to do voting blocks? You know, are we going to uh, Victoria and Devons? 
Yeah, they seem to be wanting to work together. You've got Ron and Julie that also seem to be wanting to work together. Aurora's kind of floating around with wherever she finds herself. Gavin is kind of the same. I don't know what's going to happen with Lauren and Wardog, if they're going to still want to vote together. I really, it's, it's such a weird season. It's really strange. It's really strange. Yeah. I mean, we saw in the preview that Wardog brought together Ron and Rick as, you know, said, we're, we're the big threats uh, and we should team up now. But the thing is, will that really happen? I don't know. You know, lots of people talk to lots of people and you never know which is the real plan. There was a sneak peek of the episode that showed us uh, the beginning of the reward challenge. And the teams are interesting because Ron, Gavin, Aurora, and Victoria end up on a team together. And that means no matter what happens, those four will be together either celebrating the reward or being annoyed that they lost. And that means that Julie is with the three remaining lesser. So if, contrary to what I said, she actually is upset at Ron, this could be an opportunity for her to flip. Um, now, I, I think by now, Aurora is going to fulfill the role that Julie worried about and be safe because others want to take her to the final three or more to the point, as war dog said in this episode, she doesn't have any real connections to anybody else. So it's more important to take out other players. Mm-hmm. I do think war dog will firm up his connection to Lauren again. Uh, you know, like I was saying before saying, Oh, it was best for both of us that I did that. Mm-hmm. And if he can keep Rick and Ron on his side, that would mean targeting Gavin or Victoria. And if it wasn't really a vote split, so I'm kind of contradicting myself here, and Gavin was kept in the dark, it would make the most sense for them to go with him first. And even even if it was really a vote split, I, I think that, you know, Victoria is doing a very good job of keeping her head down. So, I, I, you know, based on pretty much nothing else, I'm going to predict that we're saying goodbye to the yellow pineapple shirt. Oh, so yeah, see, I struggled with this. I I think that makes sense, but I also think we're being misled by the... No. I know, right? It's shocking. But here's here's my thought, too, though. I do think that I have some concerns for War Dog. I really do. Like, I have concerns going into this week just because there is this... We I mean, we just saw it's kind of like a domino effect. It's like David got taken out and Kelly got taken out. We've talked about then who's the next biggest uh, target at that point. Well, it it really is War Dog, and I know that you know Devins is probably right up there too as someone who is likely uh, being looked at as a someone who I think <clears throat> me could you know you know I think he could win the game, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like. People like Aurora and Victoria are going to want to be looking at the end game more and who they, you know, everyone's doing that. Now everyone's going to be looking at going, who can I sit next to in the end? Who can I beat in the end? Even though I think Lauren might get back together with War Dog, I think Lauren realizes if she's sitting next to War Dog, she's not beating War Dog. I just feel like he's been more of the vocal of that if now it's a twosome. So I think that he would get more of the credit for the moves that they were both making together. So I don't know if she would necessarily want to tie herself to War Dog. But every every kind of thing I'm looking at just keeps pointing back to War Dog. Like, I feel like we're just going to keep seeing, like, that domino effect happen and that War Dog is going to be the one that goes home. Which yeah, would be a bummer. I mean, I mean that's a solid prediction. Um, you know, I, I, I could see it happening. And, yeah, I... 
you know, at this point though, I just don't know. So yeah, I, I, I mean, figure, I really don't know yeah. either, but it's it just trying to look at what we are working with and what are the potential, who do you sit next to in the end? You don't want to sit next to war dog. I don't think no. anybody wants to sit next to war dog. And no, so, right. and he's, he's really put himself out there a lot. And there's been a lot of discussion about war dog kind of making the decisions and telling people what to do. And, and, and I just feel like he would get so much credit for everything that kind of transpired. Yeah, I think that that's, that's going to be a returning thought in their mind. I can't sit next to him because I won't beat him in the end. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. What do I know? Uh, all right. Well, we, we will see. Yeah. Okay. So it is uh, time to wrap up here. And I want to remind people to check out the RHAP patron program by heading over to robhasawebsite.com slash patron to help support all the RHAP podcasts. And you know, take a look at the various Patreon levels to find out what kind of perks you can get. Uh, special podcasts, videos, buffs, bells, and much more. Uh, you know, of course, uh, as was mentioned, the the uh, Philadelphia Know It Alls was populated pretty much entirely by patrons and you know their guests, and of course, a bunch of Survivor players uh, because they get first shot at the tickets and they bought them all up. So mm-hmm. uh, you know that is a huge perk for being a patron. Um, and you can check everything out at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. The other huge perk is uh, the patron Facebook group. So once you get there, make sure to say hello to us. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I am Jessica Lewis 89. I guess I should say at Jessica Lewis 89. And David is at David Bloomberg. You should definitely follow us on Twitter because the conversations are much more fun. And I like to post selfies of David so you get to see those and enjoy those. So it's a, it's definitely a good thing to follow both of us. You can see all of the conversation. You can be involved in those conversations. We both live tweet during the shows. And also we love to hear from people on Twitter. And I have to give a special shout out to Becca Devins because I know that she listens. I know that her mother listens. I love that you are part of this world. And thank you so much for living in it with us. Rick has been awesome. And I'm not just saying this because of Rick, but I'm also saying it because we appreciate you on Twitter. Becca, you are incredibly fun to listen to and to read all of your tweets. So thank you for that. So just a special little shout out to Becca Devins. So yeah, so follow us on Twitter. And then you can be involved in all of the conversations and things that we are talking about throughout the days leading up to Survivor. So, again, it's at Jessica Lewis 89 and at David Bloomberg. Yes. And anyone who was following me got to see uh, shots from the live know-it-alls and also shots from during the show, such as the moment that uh, Jessica saw David get voted out. Yes, that was very, very sad. I'm sorry, David. That makes me sad. And you also saw pictures of the poster that we are selling. You can see it both in the actual poster form and also the T-shirt that I had made up for David and myself that has all of the actual rules on it for the poster. So, yeah, so check it out and then order the poster. It's fantastic. Yes. And again, that is on eBay at tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster. So we have to figure out a hashtag. and. you know, there was uh, so much brain power between us that went into trying to figure out these two returnees that by the time it came to the hashtag, uh, my drain brain power was drained. Therefore, it is drain power. Um, and I think I may have just realized what the hashtag is. It's drain power. Oh, there you go. Drain power. So, uh, 
<laughs> All right. So we went through the whole whole uh, whole thing. Couldn't think of a hashtag. And yes, drain power. There you go. Because I drained my brain power. Perfect. All right. So. Um, remember to make sure you're getting all the survivor commentary you can handle by subscribing to all of the RHAP survivor podcasts at Rob has a podcast.com slash survivor, or, you know, just look it up on your favorite podcatcher. We are also on the reality TV rehab ups feed. If you want to add that in both places, you get all the great content like the know-it-alls, the wiggle room, this week in survivor, the B and B and much more. Thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does all the editing on Why Blank Lost Podcasts. Thanks, as always, to Will from America for the theme song. And thanks to you, Jessica, for powering through with tears in your eyes. Oh, I did have to power through. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll make it back in the game and then I can be rejuvenated and ready to go and excited. But Rick Devins is my winner pick. So (laughs) it's, it's tough. It's it tough, is. but it is. but I do I do thoroughly enjoy David, and I was rooting for him. He is a phenomenal guy. He was a phenomenal player. So, but thank you, David, for a wonderful episode, and thank you for everyone to sticking through this. This is getting long. So, thank you. I we knew it would it. be long. We knew that whenever there was going to be a David episode, we knew it would be long. Whenever there was going to be a Kelly episode, we knew it would be long. And then CBS went and gave us both of them together. I know. Double whammy. So thank you everyone so. for listening and for supporting us. Really appreciate it. And listen, remember secret safe. Don't tell Rob what David said. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we will uh, talk to everyone again in a week. Thanks. If Bye. You Bye. Survivor and you're feeling down. David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.